Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. sorry, I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm gonna make them alive. I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 130, I don't know, three? of yeah. citizen dame hey i got it uh the podcast where we just talk about horror movies because it's way less scary than real life i am karen peterson joined as always by my amazing co-host lauren humphreys brooks <laughs> hello lauren how are you i am pretty good i'm just like embracing embracing the chaos like that's the point that i'm at you know just watching horror movies and being like sure yeah, like guy with the jails running amok at a slumber party. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> like, oh, oh, is there a ghost in your wardrobe trying to trap you? Okay. That's a <laughs> sure. fun. Let's Fine. do that. That's better than the news. Fine, whatever. It's like, oh, ghost. Ooh, big scary ghost. Ooh. <laughs> like, okay. Uh. Yes, ghost. Please take me out of this <laughs> hell that we are living in. No, please don't. Please don't. I don't want to be haunted tonight. Now I'm going to be haunted. Damn it. You are. You are. <sighs> All right. Well, remember me fondly. <laughs> we will just be like, well, Karen was taken by the ghosts in her closet. Um, <laughs> it because, happens. Because she was like, hey, ghosts, take me. And then, then it happened. And I was yeah. like, All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> you don't happen. The ghosts because they will. It's kind of it. like, it's kind of like, you know, in those movies when they, they're like, oh, let's play the, let's play with the Ouija board. It's like, no, don't play with the fucking Ouija board. <laughs> Like, don't do that. Like, you're just asking the spirits to come in. Like, you just don't fuck with that shit. And then the spirits don't show up. Like, that's yeah. how it works. Like, if the videotape says, don't watch this, then just don't fucking watch it. What are you thinking? <laughs> that was my experience watching the second Ring film. Because it was just like, so, like, people die when they watch this. So, like, could you watch it? Just like, no, I'm not going to fucking watch it. No, it's, it's, it's not like happening. It's like when you're cleaning out the refrigerator and you come across like something questionable and you're like, does this smell bad? Like, why am I going to smell that? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. It's like, oh, this hot dog has been in there since last 4th of July. I wonder what it looks like. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, well, what did you, what did you expect? Oh, you watched the video and look, now you have to show it to someone else. Otherwise you're going to die a horrible death like yes. this is literally what everyone told you was going to happen and there was a lot of evidence that it was true and yet you still didn't listen it's those yeah it's like the each each sequel like has to keep on building a little bit okay how do we get people to watch this video because otherwise <laughs> there's no movie mm-hmm so, okay, let's say that that video, this is going to actually be something that we'll be talking about in a minute, but um, let's say that that video really existed and it came into your possession. Would yeah. you watch it and sacrifice yourself? Would you not watch it at all? Or would you watch it and then try to get someone else to watch it and pass on the curse? Well, I think, see, I think that this is where you begin to ask the question about that fil those films generally, because I think there's, there's at least one guy in the second ring movie where 
it's the girl gives him the video because she's cursed. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to get him to watch it so that he will pass on. And so that then forms this kind of different, a different moral code because you're like, okay, so the curse is going to be passed on to me, but I'm going to send some, I'm going to save someone else's life. And then I have to, so it's this really horrible thing that then I have to pass it on to the next person. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if that video just came into my possession, like, by the way, this videotape is cursed and you shouldn't watch it because it's cursed. I'd be like, well, fuck that shit. I'm not going to watch it. Like, yeah. <laughs> definitely. But I also understand the human human desire because there, there's there's a lot of like lack of belief, like, oh, it's not really cursed or, oh, mm-hmm. I want to see what it's like. Um, and then and then they do. And then it's a bad scene. But no, I would not watch it. If someone just gave me the videotape, I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch that. Why would I? I don't want to yeah. be cursed. I'd be like, like sorry, you. I don't have a VCR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had one until I moved into my current apartment. I finally gave it up. I'd had it for like 20 years and I finally was just like, I have not actually used this in about 10. So <laughs> yeah, I knew that it worked because I had tested it when I moved into my last place and I thought like, why do I still have this? And I tested it. I was like, oh good. It still works. I can still watch some of my old videos that are not like movies but you know family stuff yeah i never did (laughs) so i still have those i need to convert them to the cloud or something but anyway what would you do karen what would you do what would i do yeah um so i would not watch the video but if for some reason i did see it like if it was someone just kind of popped it in didn't tell me what was happening or whatever and then i found out that was the curse i'd probably just take the bullet i don't think i'd pass it on I don't know. It's a, it's a moral conundrum, definitely. It is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, if I'm being really honest, I probably would pass it on. <laughs> but would you, like, warn the person? Would you be like, hey, this videotape is cursed, so what you need to do is you need to watch it, and then you're going to uncurse me, and then you need to show it to someone else to uncurse yourself? Maybe you I would, like, really yeah. really straightforward, you know, not try to fool anyone into this shit? I would probably try that and then if it was getting to the end and it wasn't working and nobody would take it off my hands then I would just probably just give it to someone. Hey check this out this is super cool. (laughs) And what's sad is I have people that would trust me and so then I would feel guilty for the rest of my life. (laughs) Well it's good to know. Um, I will be soon to be very wary. It's like hey Lauren watch this video. no oh my gosh it's so funny because this morning i woke up and i had a text message from some like it was a text message but it came from an email address and Uh it was just a bunch of letters it wasn't a name or anything like that it wasn't anything that made any sort of sense and it was just a link to a youtube video (laughs) that's how they get you yeah i deleted it (laughs) (laughs) now i'm like what was on that video well, well, what was that, like, uh, that creepy thing that was being passed around there for what, Momo? Oh, I don't know about you hear this. about that? It was, like, this creepy bird woman, and supposedly, it was, it turned out that it was actually a hoax, but that the, what, what they were taught, what they were saying the video did was encourage kids to, like, kill themselves and stuff like that. It was really fucking weird, but I remember it being passed oh. around for, like, a hot second, and maybe last year or the year before, um, but it was a similar thing where it, this 
this YouTube link would get inserted into like kids videos on YouTube oh. and it was really really creepy yikes I think they're making a movie out of it actually yeah it sounds about right <laughs> so how are you Lauren <laughs> I'm doing fine I'm just I've been anything, discussing yeah anything new happening in the neighborhood not particularly i've been discussing with some of my friends uh we all went uh, i've got a number of friends that all went to the same elementary school that i did and um, and we were recalling how there was this one particular story that every single halloween are uh we would have we would be forced right as small children because we'd go to the library they'd be like we go to the library we're going to hear a halloween story and it was always the same halloween story it was on a film strip right mm-hmm. that like clicked so it was just still images oh. static images and and like a, a book on tape basically and it was the story of taily poe which is basically the story is like this old man who lives in the middle of the woods uh uh shoots is go, goes out hunting with his dogs and he shoots an animal um but he doesn't get the animal all he gets is the animal's tail and so he's really hungry so he takes the tail home and cooks it and eats it and then in the middle of the night there's this creepy voice that is calling for its taily poe and the voice gets closer and closer and like the dogs disappear and it keeps on getting closer and, and yeah, it's a creepy story. This was terrifying and this traumatized literally everyone who went to my elementary school. Like you just mentioned Taylor Post, like, oh my God, no, don't talk about it. <laughs> it's the creepiest thing. I and don't remember that one. That I don't know. This was like a thing that my elementary school did. This is apparently an Appalachian. This is originally like an Appalachian folktale, which is weird because I grew up in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, it was like this thing that they showed to us literally every Halloween in, from the time we were about five. And it is the most terrifying <laughs> children's story I have ever heard. Oh my gosh. That sounds um, really scary. Yeah, <laughs> especially so was, for kids. Like, yeah, no, God. for little kids, like it obviously it has haunted <laughs> every single one of us. Like, you just mention it. Anyone who met, went to my elementary school, like, do you remember Taylor Poe? Like, oh my God, yes, of course I remember Taylor Poe. That's horrible. Don't talk about it. <laughs> wow, Taylor Poe. So that's what I've been doing this week. <laughs> <laughs> my elementary school, we used to talk about a real life horror story because um, in our hometown there was a really brutal murder and this was a like a you know one of those quiet suburban towns that you see that like nothing ever happens here like we didn't even have we didn't even have a movie theater until i was in high school and um but (laughs) but the town kind of built up around a prison (laughs) that's not funny (laughs) but and it's actually not funny in connection with the story but um what is funny is I grew up in a town called Chino and that has the prison, but up North there's a town called Chico that has a state university. And whenever I would tell people where I was from, they'd be like, Oh, it has a great school. I'd be like, Nope, we got the prison. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong end of the state. But um, anyway, when I was like five or six, there was a guy who broke out of the prison. He escaped and um a couple of days after he escaped this family this doctor and his wife they had two kids and then there was a like a kid that was sleeping over at their house and 
um, the family was brutally murdered. The only survivor was the son. Like, even the friend was killed. Um, and the son very nearly died as well. And he was, like, nine or ten. And um, they eventually... Like, they connected that the guy who had escaped from prison had been staying, like, he'd been hiding out in a guest house next door. And it was like, nobody was staying at the house at the time. So he was just kind of camping out there. And then the murder happened and he disappeared. And they ended up finding him, like, a week or two later. Uh, He had gone down to Mexico and hopped on a boat that went up to San Francisco. Like, that seems weird. (laughs) But... (laughs) Um, but they ended up arresting him. He was tried for the murders. And now if California ever starts starts executing people again, he's like next in line to be executed here. His name is Kevin Cooper. But there's so many things about his story that like, I don't believe that he's guilty. Or at least I don't believe that he acted alone. And it's the weirdest story. But that was one that like we used to talk about all the time in school because it was like the the highest profile thing that ever happened in my hometown you know and it was so terrifying that some guy escaped from the prison so anytime there would be stories about someone trying to escape would be like so freaky so yeah okay you have to stop telling two scary stories (laughs) um okay like just 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 stop jesus christ oh just wait until next week when i tell my ghost story no no uh -uh. uh-uh uh-uh we've already had dude hanging out in the back of friend's car that like you know your friend flees now we've had guy escapes from prison and maybe murders an entire family but maybe didn't and there's actually the person who did it is still somewhere Mm -hmm. so like great Great, Karen. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I grew man. up in ghost country. Like, I don't understand how you have the creepiest stories. <laughs> oh, I have more, too. God in <laughs> but heaven. we'll stop there for now. <laughs> and let's talk about horrors from not America. Far away. Far away horrors. <laughs> yeah. So this week we thought it would be fun to talk about international horror movies and um we're gonna start off by saying we are not experts in the cinema of any of the countries we're going to be talking about today or any of the regions of the world that we're talking about today we're just talking about stuff we like we will talk about some of the characteristics we have observed um but (laughs) please please if we say something that's incorrect please kindly let us know what the correct information is um but also just understand that these are very very american observances of horror films from like asia and scandinavia and south america and stuff like that so uh yeah all right so um one of the things i i I have to say lauren i loved that because every week you're good about putting it out there like hey this is what we're gonna be talking about this week let us know if you have any questions or some of your favorites or whatever i think that we got more responses to this week's topic than we have in a while on anything yeah well, i mean it's a very broad topic you know if you talk about international horror films so, so we're, t- we're talking about 
largely films that are made in languages that are not English mm -hmm. and in countries that are not English speaking countries. So, you know, we're not, we're not really including the UK and all in, in, right. in our international <laughs> discussion here. Um, although we could, I guess, but that seems like cheating a little bit. Uh, yeah. And, and like, there are so many there, it's interesting because there are so many horror films obviously made across the world and different countries have different kinds of horror films. Um, I mean, I, I remember Laos recently uh, released one of its very first horror films a couple of years ago. And this is a, this is an industry that has, uh, that has, it's a very fledgling film industry, right? So one of their, mm -hmm. it's interesting that one of their earliest and definitely their, one of their first internationally recognized films uh, was a horror film. Um, it's called, uh, dearest sister by the way it is a very good film um and uh but it's it's interesting because we have as as white people as americans as english speakers we're sort of limited in what we can watch um because we don't speak these languages like i know that there are horror film industries in many countries across the world and we only get a very small subsection of those films um and even if we were able to obtain some of the films that were released exclusively in those countries, we probably wouldn't be able to understand them because they would be in other languages and they wouldn't be subtitled. But it's interesting that so many people have like specific films that um, in, in other languages that are not their own language that they just really love and are really into. And unsurprisingly, a lot of, um, a lot of Asian films, a lot of Japanese and Korean films, especially. Mm -hmm. Uh, but these are very influential, uh, even in like in the way we approach our own horror films. Yeah. What do you think it is about the genre of horror that um, really, do I mean, obviously every genre is made in every country that has a film industry to some degree. But what do you think it is about horror that um, works everywhere? Uh I think it's, I mean, horror is ubiquitous. Every country and every culture really has ghost stories and has scary stories, has folk tales, um, you know, and sometimes they're warning tales. Sometimes they're just, let's sit around the campfire and be frightened kind of stories. Um, and some of it is about the traditions that surround death. And again, every country, every culture has traditions surrounding death and beliefs surrounding death, what happens after death. Um, what affects what happens after death, all of that kind of thing. And, and so that's something that's a universal human experience. We all die, right? And we all know people who die and we all have our own understanding, our, our own cultural understanding, at least if not necessarily our personal beliefs about death and spirituality and the spirit world and all of that. And so I think that horror taps into that and it taps into the things that, that the people that individuals are afraid of, the things that cultures are afraid of. I don't think it's an accident that a lot of these stories wind up being about um, repressed people and oppressed mm -hmm. people. So the return of, you know, and we've talked about this before on this podcast about um, the return of the repressed and horror being about a, a lot about that. And I don't think that that's solely what horror is about, but that is certainly true throughout the world. There are you know, you're, ma you're making films, you're making stories about, you're creating stories about things that we've kind of repressed and, and, um, and that the culture has repressed, that individuals have repressed, and they come out in these kind of monstrous ways and saying like, you know, you can't, you can't, keep, a, you can't keep the lid on this, eventually it's going to come out. And that's true, I think, across human culture. I can't, 
I can't think of, of a country or a culture that I'm aware of that doesn't have something like that because we all live in, in structured societies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that it's interesting looking at... Because, I mean, horror is, is a genre that I used to think I didn't like it. And once I started really expanding what I would watch, not just American films, but reaching out into other countries and like I, I remember going to AFI the first year the film festival and um there was something on the list I don't I cannot remember right now what movie it was but there was something that built itself as a horror movie and so I was just like oh, it sounds really interesting but it's horror I don't know if I could handle it what the heck I'll go and so I went and I was like, this isn't scary. Why is this a horror movie? And that really, I mean, this was like seven or eight years ago. And that experience, because it ended up, I remember I ended up liking the movie. I wish I could remember which one it was. But um, but uh, that experience really opened doors for me because I realized, well, horror doesn't necessarily mean scary. And that honestly is a very American way of looking at horror films. And I mean, just yesterday there was something going around about like whether horror movies have to be scary to to work as horror films. And um, and I think that this experience, when I really started to look at at films, international films from all different places in the world and all different types of of horror, what that all entails, um, I I realized it really unlocked some doors for me and it was really cool. So I've gotten to see some great films that I normally would have shied away from just because of the fact that you slapped the horror label on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's horror, horror encompasses so many different really other genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, we t- and we've talked about, it, you've got supernatural horror, you've got monster movies, you've got, you know, human killer films um and and yeah and i and i do think that what scares people in one culture partially because it's it it it's informed by the culture that it's being made in right um and what scares people in one culture might not scare people in another culture then again it might and and one of the things that like i i think one of the reasons why we um in america why we're so fascinated by like japanese and korean horror films is that they have a very different um belief structure to to the to what we're used to we're used to what is essentially a very um a very a, you know a judeo-christian belief structure right and uh, a lot of our horror films are immediately influenced by um by victorian haunted house stories and victorian ghost stories which have a very specific kind of hierarchical belief structure and, we, and we've talked about this a little bit over these past few weeks japanese and korean films are are based upon very different belief structures. And I think as a result, some, some of the things that they treat as frightening are even scarier to us because they don't, they're not as comforting in some ways as some of the ways that we have told ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always point to The Grudge where The Grudge is not, or, or The Ring, um, but but the grudge is not you know these specific people deserve in some way or have violated something and they deserve to be haunted it's basically like you went into the wrong house 
Like, yeah. and now this, this anger and this hate has attached to you and it's never going to let you go. And that's really frightening. That idea that you can just be haunted because mm -hmm. you were in the wrong place, right? That, that it's, it's almost this generational haunting. Um, and, and that's a really frightening idea, but it's not really an idea that, we ha that we've had in, uh, in American culture for a very long time. And we've sort of adapted it in more recent years. But I don't really recall that it, is, that it was um, a major part of the way that we talked about uh, um, ghost stories in, and up until we began getting more and more of these Japanese and Korean horror films. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Asian. Let's start there. Let's talk about Asian horror and some of the characteristics of it. Some of the things that we frequently see. Um, because last week when we were talking about monster movies, we were talking about some of the early, um, the Godzilla films and, and some of those and how those kind of popped up out of, um, in post-war Japan, the only country that has experienced the horrors of having an atomic bomb, um, unleashed on them. And, uh, that was kind of the, what resulted with, with Godzilla and some other, of those early, like the, from the fifties. But as you move through later films, um, you get into much more of these ghost stories and, um, <laughs> someone called them creepy ghost girls because <laughs> it seems like they're <laughs> usually female. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about some of the, some of the common things that we see in, um, Asian in general, Asian horror film, but also some specific to, to some of the different countries, Japan, Thailand, Korea. Yeah, um. I mean, I, I, I do think you get the creepy ghost girls and that's, that's an early, that comes straight out of, at least in terms of, of Japanese films, that comes straight out of Japanese uh, uh, ghost story traditions. Right. And like superstitions the, and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and some, some, so like one of the earliest, I think, internationally known Japanese ghost stories, right, is, is a film called Kuedan, which is an, actually an anthology film about, I think it's, I think it's three stories. I would have to look it up again, but um that is, and they're ghost stories, and they're ghost stories that are based, uh, actually are based on a collection of Japanese ghost stories. And, uh, and, and so you see kind of the, the, you know, the creepy, creepy women, um, ghosts, I, I, I always say, it's just like, don't piss off Japanese women, according to these films, do not piss <laughs> off Japanese women, because not only will they curse you, they will curse every single generation of your family forever. Yes. Yes. Um, and so like that, that is definitely what these ghost stories, uh, talk about. And, and there is a lot of that. It's, I think it's interesting that, um, that women in, in a lot of Japanese ghost stories are the major kind of conduits for the spirit world. They are often, it is very often the wronged woman who comes back to take vengeance. And, mm -hmm. and it's not just vengeance upon a specific person. It is vengeance upon everybody. <laughs> yeah everybody uh, who's connected to them in any way yeah exactly it's just like you came into the house you, know? <laughs> you like are his distant cousin once removed that you are dead too like i'm gonna get all of you fuckers um but but that does happen a lot and i i think that it's you know given given some of the uh the issues surrounding women and surrounding the hierarchical structure and patriarchal structure in japan 
Um, I think it's interesting that, that women are such a site for horror in, in Japanese films. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, Creepy Ghost Girls, Creepy Ghost Hags. One of my favorite Japanese horror films is Onibaba, which is just the nastiest demon movie ever. Uh, and it's, it's creepy without there being supernatural aspects to it, but there, then the supernatural stuff kicks in and it's, it's quite frightening. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Um, one that we got a couple of comments and, and stuff about that came up was, um, so Michael Capone at Mr. Capone, um, he commented, Ringu was a years long yeah. obsession for me and will always be my most loved. I sought it out across multiple cultures in myriad iterations from manga to TV miniseries from sequel to remake. It casts the longest shadow of them all, a fountainhead of horror. Now, that was not really the first um, of these like kind of more modern Japanese films to cross the ocean and become popular here in the United States. But I think it certainly is one of the most influential and so I think that's yeah. a good one to to talk specifically about. Now, I personally have not seen the Japanese film. I've seen the American film, and I felt differently about it than other people did. It just didn't it didn't grab me like it did with other people. I just felt gross after I watched it. I wasn't scared at all. So I just kind of was like, eh, I'm done with that storyline. But I definitely understand why um why so many people loved it and i think what i think my favorite thing about the fact that that movie exists is is that people sought out the original japanese film and introduced themselves to that and i think any time that a film opens up your experience and makes you want to go watch the original film the original source like seeking out the original source material and introduces you to other cultures, I am all for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually saw the Japanese film first and I saw it very late. I, I'm, I'm gonna admit that I saw it like a couple of years ago for mm -hmm. the first time. And it was part of my, you know, every, every year on Halloween, I, I try to watch at least a few new films, films that are new to me, right? Or classics that I haven't seen and, and Ringu was one of them. Um, and I, I loved it, like it, it is, I think, I think that both the original and the, the uh, English language remake are both very good films and they do pretty much the same thing. Um, there's not a huge degree of difference between, between them. Although I think that the original film is in some ways more textured. Uh, and I think that some of it is, is just, it, it works better in, in, a, in, ja in a Japanese setting than it does in an exclusively Japanese setting than it does in a more western white setting mm -hmm. um that's just my feeling about it and and you know i'm certain that there are people that would have an argument about that but uh but i really liked the original because it is this just it's this it's similar to the grudge in the sense that it's just this consistent curse that just keeps on coming back you're never going to be released from it you know um even when you think the film is over, you know, it's not actually over, which is always, you always kind of expect it in a horror film. If the film doesn't end right after the major, like, 
apparent climax, then that means that there's one more scare coming and that it is not all ended happily for our heroes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and I like that. And I think that, that Ringu definitely crossed the borders in that sense that it, it became so popular in the United States that, um, and, and across the world really, that, that people kind of went into those films more and I don't know if it's necessarily credited with kind of the beginning of uh, J-horror in, in, as a genre, as something that we identify as a genre in the Western world, but it was definitely a major influence in kind of getting people into releasing these horror films in the United States. Yeah, I was reading an article the other day that, that actually credited um, A Tale of Two Sisters, the Korean film, as being one of the first Asian horror films to really um become popular here in the states i don't know if that's true that's just what one person was saying but it was all kind of around the same time so it it sort of makes sense that just in the early 2000s there was just kind of this explosion of um of international cinema making its way here and i think a big part of that with movies like um ringu the grudge some of those i think a lot of it was because of the fact that people were getting these american remakes and and i think that some of them worked really well some of them were well done um and some of them were not so great and people wanted to know where did this movie come from you know one missed call um uh there's some other ones uh deep water no, uh-huh. Dark Water, sorry. Dark Water, yeah. Dark Water, um, yeah, The Grudge had an American remake, uh-huh. which I actually like. I like both versions of The Grudge, because in that case, I think that those are, they are, they tell the same kind of story, but they're different enough uh-huh. that they're, they're both creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they're, they both are, are effective in their own ways, and, uh, and, yeah, I, I, that was one that I saw the, the remake, or I saw the remake first, and then I saw the, uh, the original film. And so they're different enough that they both have become effective. And I think that's the way to do a remake, especially when you're remaking something that's from another culture. I think that it needs to be, you need to adapt the, the idea of the story, but make it something that is more uh, unique to to your own culture and i think that part of the problem with a lot of remakes whether it's from earlier time periods or from other places or just stories that we like and want to tell again and again um i think part of the problem is that people take certain it becomes sort of like a greatest hits you know and they just they'll 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 take the things that they really liked about a movie but they kind of miss the point of it or they don't try to contextualize it for the audience that they're trying to make movies for mm-hmm. so yeah so what are some other um some other things like we talked about some monster movies and of course i think one of the biggest most recent um movies that people have talked about that are like monster or supernatural movies is train to busan and there's yeah. a lot of international zombie movies that are um, really becoming popular here i think partly due to services like netflix bringing them here and making them available 
Yeah, making them more available and also directors that are becoming more known in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're kind, of, they're kind of crossing over. So people are going back into their filmographies and, yeah. and delving into those and then finding connections and stuff like that. I mean, like we said, some of this is simply what is available and what is, what is and not just what is available, but what is available in, uh, in, with English subtitles. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can desperately want to watch a Korean film, but if I can't find English subtitles for it, I'm not going to be able to understand what's happening uh, a lot of the time. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, and like what you were just saying, it's as we become more familiar with these directors like Bong Joon-ho, I recently for the first time finally got to see The Host, which is one uh -huh. of his earliest films. And um, and it was so fun because you could see the, like you could recognize the director that we've come to know and love. Um, but it's this like early work and it's this really interesting story and it starts off as kind of just this big like alien monster movie thing but it it really becomes something else and it it um, becomes this really like partly a, a sweet drama it's this like coming of age story for this guy who like has been such a slacker I don't know it's just it's such an interesting movie I love that one I'm so glad I finally got to see it yeah that that film that film goes to some interesting places it because does. you it does and, it, and it's it's like a lot of his films really that it starts out in one place and you kind of you think you know what the story is about and then, and it's, it's funny, there's, there's definitely a tongue-in-cheekness about a good yeah. bit of it. Um, but then it, it begins to take some turns that, that I was not expecting, certainly. And that I was like, oh, we're going to places that I did not know this film was going to go, you know. <laughs> and, and yeah, it is interesting. And, and I think that, again, that, yeah, his, his films are becoming more known um, and more popular. And again, people are seeking them out more because because he's been so successful um, with, a, with several films here. Uh, one, of, one of the other films that I wanted to mention, because I think that it's, it's kind of in line with stuff like The Grudge and The Ring, but is, seems to be less seen, and I think that it's just as good, and in some ways even better, is uh, The Curse. Mm. which is a, um, I think it's like an early 2000 film, it's, like two, it's 2005. And it's a Japanese film, but it's um, it's kind of it's it's an early film about a paranormal researcher who is like doing a documentary about this curse. So the film itself is treat it's like a mockumentary, right? So it's it's put it's uh, a put it looks like a put together film from all of these different sources that he has made. Okay. And then what happens is that the person who's putting together the film basically the guy disappears the researcher disappears and so then it becomes about this investigation as to what happened to him um and it's very frightening that sounds uh, good it, it's similar i think it's still on shutter the it's similar in, in it some just ways. looked it up it says it is so yeah it's yeah it's similar in some ways to the grudge and to the ring but i think it, it kind of gains an extra dimension by kind of posing as this documentary footage right mm -hmm. um this raw footage that then begins it's 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 an early found footage film in a lot of ways um that begins kind of going to some really fascinating places and and like any found footage film that part of the the challenge of it is is does it work right does it all fit together does it make sense that this footage would even exist <laughs> and it does it works and i think that that's what's really really effective about it 
Um, that has not, as far as I know, received a an English language remake, which I'm kind of glad about because I don't, I don't, I think that we would drop the ball on it. But yeah, we tend it's to a do good that, film. don't we? <laughs> cool. One that I discovered this week on that note, uh, and I mean, I say discovered, I finally watched it this week. I had heard of it before, but I had never seen it. And then um, it was kind of recommended to me. And that's Warning Do Not Play from Korea. And the the when I messaged you to ask if you had seen it, it was because I was at the scene where she's sitting in that like little restaurant listening to those guys argue about Christopher Nolan and I was yeah. laughing so hard. I was like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I saw that. I saw that was released on Shutter um earlier this year. Okay. I think. I, I that's my memory. I think the film obviously came out earlier than that. But yeah, I remember seeing that and being like, oh, this is my kind of movie. This is exactly, I, apparently this exists in all cultures. Good to know. I thought that was so great. Yeah, I loved it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Lauren, have you seen this? And you're like, yes, I have. I'm like, of course you have. <laughs> You've seen everything. But, um, but yeah, I really, I liked that one too. It's, it uses some of the elements of found footage, but it's... Um, again it's people that are just like if everyone's telling you to stay away and then a ghost made the movie stay away a ghost made the movie okay <laughs> i don't know I why that this idea. is hard <laughs> i love that idea though i like yeah. i love the idea of a ghost making a movie mm -hmm. um and that becoming sort of the the crux of the story i love that like i think that that's such I, I like the idea of this of a film being so evil or so scary that you can't even watch it. Like that's mm -hmm. that's a great sort of and it, it mixes in that urban legend. It mixes in those elements of like Ringu and stuff like that, um, and then kind of comes out with something more you know different, more interesting. Yeah. It's not just a rehash of something. It's actually like oh, we're going to take this in a different direction. Mm -hmm. yeah and for anybody who might not have heard of it yet because it did just come out last year i think but um it is basically it's this director she's trying to i was a little bit confused if she was trying to program a film festival or if she was trying to make a film and looking for an idea but she comes across um this film these guys are telling her about this like movie that was supposed to be the scariest movie ever made and so she's going looking for it looking for the filmmaker um finally finds the guy he is batshit crazy and but he's also saying like oh i didn't make that movie a ghost made the movie and so she's trying to figure out what really happened and it ends up you know with her in this haunted theater and i won't reveal any more than that but that is uh, one <laughs> that it is one movie where it, it is like she she kind of, I, I never wanted to say, but she kind of brings it on herself. She does. She definitely she, does. <laughs> she keeps on pursuing it, right? And you're sitting there going like, this is where you stop. This mm -hmm. is where you go like, you know what? I am going to go in a different direction here. Because at each, at each kind of point, you're just like, just stop. Just, you, can, you can leave now. Like, you don't have to be involved in this anymore. She had uh, so many opportunities and so many reasons to believe that she should give it up. And she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and it's both in some ways it's very human because i think that all of us probably all of us in that kind of a situation might actually continue moving forward even though we say like no don't do it <laughs> right uh 
But at the same time, you're just like, well, look, if you're going to be haunted now, like, that's your own goddamn fault. Because look at all of the opportunities that you had to, to just stop. And you didn't, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So are there any other um, films you wanted to mention from Asia before we move on? Well, I think we should mention briefly Audition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a very different film from a lot of the ones that we've been talking about. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, we've talked about kind of keiju films and uh, and ghost stories and stuff like that. What is Audition? How, like, how do we even categorize that film? Because it's not a particularly scary film up until the last 10 minutes when well, it's, everything it's, goes off the fucking rails. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I have heard a lot of men tell me that it's a really terrifying movie and but they also say that about like um fatal attraction and stuff like that and i think that men watch watch audition differently than women do (laughs) i i mean i would imagine so i personally was both horrified and kind of elated by the end of audition i i was like yeah this is horrible but also I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting movie. But I think that, like, for me, I'm watching it just going, like, okay, well, is something going to happen at some point? Like, this is all kind of weird. And you kind of get the sense that there's something not quite right with her, but you don't know what it is for a long time. But I feel like from the conversations I've had with, with some of the men I know who really like it, they spend the whole movie just like really on this heightened tension of waiting for something to happen. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So I think that, I mean, it's sort of a, it's sort of a revenge movie, but not really. It's sort of body horror, but you don't really see any of that until toward the end. So it's like, yeah, I don't know where to classify it, but I also totally get why, uh, why it's one that men and women experience much differently. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely throughout that entire film, I think you're kind of going like, dude, there might be some red flags coming up here. <laughs> uh, and, and it is very much, it does very much play on, and, and the film has been interpreted in a number of different ways, but it does very much play on the concept of male fantasy mm-hmm. and and male desire. And, you know, at what point would, as, as I kind of said, you know, like the last time, just like, well, you sort of brought it on yourself. <laughs> on this, in this, we're kind of like, well, you know what? Maybe you should have stopped and thought about why this woman wanted to be with you. Like, just yeah. a little bit. Like, maybe think about what's going on for like, just a few minutes. Like, maybe question things a little. Yeah, but, but I think that that's part of it, that the film plays on that element of, you know, the, of male fantasy. Of like, well, mm-hmm. of course, this beautiful young woman would absolutely be into me. It's like... <laughs> right and then and then the ending is so it is so it's incredibly violent like it's it's sudden it's this sudden sort of dropping of all of this um violence that the that the rest of the film has been building to and yeah and i do think that for women there's almost a sense of like well duh like <laughs> something like this was gonna happen mm-hmm. um and for men it's just like oh my god you know that yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing uh <laughs> yeah. it's similar similar but different to carrie which i you know men and women definitely <laughs> seem to have a different reaction to yeah and you got a real good look at that this week <laughs> 
Is Carrie cathartic? Please let us know. <laughs> Please uh, just inform us of your gender, you know, however you identify. Just just let us know, you know, is Carrie cathartic or not? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I have a theory. Um, anyways. But yeah, Audition is a very different kind of horror film, I think. And 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 that's one that doesn't get translated to, uh, doesn't get remade in, in the same way um, to, to American films. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't know how, I mean, I, I could see people trying to do it, but you would lose so much, I think, because see, that's, sorry, go on. No, I was just, it seems very ingrained in the culture that it's based. Yeah, yeah, that's a very cultural thing. And and that's, that's one thing I was thinking about, like, as far as, you know, what is it about American horror films? And I feel like there's a tendency that we need things to, not we, like you and me, but just American audiences need things to be very, um, very literal. We need, you know, we need... Um, sorry i was distracted i saw you typing um but yeah so we need things to be very literal we need to understand um exactly what happened in the story like we don't like things open-ended people get really frustrated when there's not a very clear explanation on things um and we also like i don't think that a movie like audition if if they were going to make it here, it would have to have stuff happening throughout the whole movie in order to keep audiences engaged. I don't think they would put up with waiting until the last like 15 minutes for, you know, any like big event. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think that there, there, there are definitely types of horror films that do this where they're kind of billed as horror films and then you're sort of sitting there waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's maybe part of the tension that develops. Like one of, one of the, the best horror films or one, one of the films that's often labeled as being one of the best British horror films is The Wicker Man, um, the original one from 19, 1977. Um, and, and that's a film where the vast majority of it is just a mystery. Yeah, it's it's like a guy on an island doing this investigation about this missing girl, uh, and and so you but is wait. There a girl? <laughs> well, and so you wait throughout the entire film for the horror to happen, right? And then when it does, it it is shocking, and it is like it, it's this sudden sort of punctuation of of horror and the kind of everything comes together. And so as a result, it's a really well-made film, but it is a slow burn. It is one of those that you have to be willing to sit through the whole thing. You can't just be like, ah, nothing scary has happened in the first 10 minutes. I'm going to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do get that, you know, every once in a while, I think that Midsummer was like that in a lot of ways, although I don't think it worked. Yeah. Um, it's actually. Yeah. Off of and, <laughs> and people did. Yeah, it's definitely that. Uh, and people did really like Midsummer for some reason um (laughs) (laughs) but there but those kind of slow burn horror films where you're there's almost the tension developing in the fact that it's been labeled a horror film Mm -hmm. and so you're sitting there waiting for the horror and then you're like well is this ever going to happen and then it does and and that's like and either it's effective or it's not sometimes it's not enough right and people just dismiss it um I mean, one of my favorites is, uh, we'll talk about it when we talk about Giallo, but one of my favorites is, uh, is Argento's Phenomena, which nothing happens 
for an hour and a half and then everything happens in the last like 15 minutes <laughs> and by everything i do mean everything like all of the things that could happen happen oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i haven't seen that so but i'm working on it so um but yeah let's move to the other side of the world um let's talk about scandinavia which is another part of the world where i feel like i have some experience i've seen not tons but you know fair enough amount but um one another movie that came up a couple of times when we asked about this was let the right one in which is a vampire movie and that was mentioned by a couple of different people keith derrick said i really liked let the right one in there's just so much to unpack with multiple viewings and mason purrier said it's one of his favorite films ever um have you seen let the right one in i have i've actually not seen the american remake oh now this is another one just going back to what we were talking about with like the ring and the grudge and all that this is another one where i feel like both versions uh, i've actually seen both versions of this one um they are both really good and they really work because they um relevant to the cultures that that they come from so um like let the right one in it's very scandinavian and one of the things that we see a lot with with films from finland and norway and and sweden and denmark is this there's like the sense of isolation because they're so far up north um you see a lot of play with weather with light daylight darkness that kind of thing um and i think let the right one in does a really good job with with those elements and it's really an important part of the setting of that story and then what happens with let me in which is the american remake it's set in this little town in i believe new mexico like up in the mountains and so it's you know it's winter there it's day it's there's not a lot of daylight and stuff um but it really focuses on this kid that's isolated so it's a lot more um like it 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 captures what made the the swedish film work but it does it in a way that uh i think gives gives american audiences what they kind of need to which is a little bit more happening a little bit more action a little bit more blood and gore does that make sense yeah most most of the american remakes of these kinds of films do tend to to go for go go for more blood more <laughs> violence like you say more stuff happening yeah um and and in the swedish film not a lot happens there's it's very um it's very interior mm -hmm. it's it's very much about these these two kids basically finding yeah. each other uh and one of them is a vampire and and so it's about I, it's about the way that kind of she becomes protective of him and what she gives to him and what he gives to her mm -hmm. uh and so it's much it's it is very much about their isolation that both of them are isolated in their yeah. own ways yeah um and that's kind of mirrored in the landscape and that's mirrored in the the darkness you know at the same time i mean scandinavia is a perfect place for a vampire mm -hmm. because it's dark uh and it's dark a lot yeah <laughs> Like, it would make sense for them to just be, you know, like, spend their time up at the North Pole during mm -hmm. the winter and the South Pole during the summer. And, um, yeah. 
<laughs> but um so yeah feeding so feeding on antarctic explorers <laughs> if i were a vampire <laughs> just like well you brought this on yourself yeah <laughs> exactly yeah like maybe that's proof that vampires don't exist is the fact that we still have people in antarctica Depends on how much vampires actually have to eat, because because that would be the the challenge is, True. is that you know they would they would have to eat a lot. Um, if they have to eat the way that we do, like every day, then then you know you couldn't really hang out in Antarctica for too long because you just wouldn't be able to find anything. So if you are a vampire, please tweet us. <laughs> and <laughs> would oh. do you live in Antarctica? And uh, if you do, how often do you have to eat? <laughs> oh man all right so what are some other scandinavian uh films that we love um well one of the ones that because i just wanted to mention it uh it's it's one that gets kind of um uh talked about a lot but there is a very early uh swedish danish co-production called haxen which again is it kind of takes the form of a documentary but it has these horror sequences within it and it's actually about witchcraft it's Huxon witchcraft through the ages right and so it's it's supposedly this documentary about witches and witchcraft and devil worship right but it actually does have these images and kind of reenactments of black masses and things like that and it's very weird and very difficult to categorize but it, it's a very well-made horror film and quite early obviously it's 1922 uh and, and a good reminder that one of the nice things about the silent period is that, you know, you don't really have to worry too much about subtitles because most of it is done in images. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. that's one that I really like. Yeah. Well, and along that same time period is The Phantom Carriage. Yeah. Which I believe is still on Criterion. Um, yes. And that's one where it's like these these three guys um they uh, it's been a while since i've watched it but basically there's this legend that whichever is the last one to die in a year has to drive the phantom carriage and so it's it's um man it's been a while i need to see that one again um but yeah that one is really fun and it's it's yeah it's those early movies when they're silent you don't have to worry about the language because the title cards are easy to translate and you can just watch the images and you can see like um the 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 use of color in that one is really interesting and um and the images like with that carriage and everything it's yeah um let's see did you get to watch Lake Bodom? This is moving ahead in time. I have not had a chance to watch Lake Bodom yet, although I did suggest it to my parents last night and, and they were like, what is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I probably presented it not in the best way, but um, you know, and, and to, to inspire them to want to watch it. But it looks fascinating and I did not realize that it is based on a true story. Yeah, I have some questions about that true story, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's another fun one. There's some really good ones right now on Shudder, just international horror. I love that there's like a whole category of that um, that they have, but this one is still there, so 
if you have not seen it, definitely watch it. But uh, it was one that after we did Slashers a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, I should have talked about that one. It's from, uh, is that one from Sweden or Finland? Finland. It's Finland, um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's these, it's these four teenagers that go out camping, kind of, a couple of them are kind of lured out under false pretenses. And they're, they go out camping and to the spot where there's supposed, supposedly these really gruesome murders back like in the 60s and, um, you know, tempting fate like you do and then things start to happen. But there might be more to the story than that. That's all I'm going to say. Um, that's a really good one too. So that's that's the thing that's fun about um like it's a very different type of i don't know if it's even very different i think the way that it's done is different from the type of slasher movies that we were talking about with like jason and freddy and and some of those or even like scream because um this actually has some purpose to it there's not just like this maniacal killer just running around killing whoever's handy and available there's actually something more to the story than that and um yeah it's a really interesting and it it's also in the the uh leaves things a little bit ambiguous but in a very uh in a way that i think is really interesting and satisfying i don't know if that's i'm trying to think if that's the word i would really use but yeah I, I, do, I do like a lot of Scandinavian filmmaking and I think that, um, it, you know, and, and we pull a lot of our kind of concepts from them as well because mm-hmm. they're, they're more of a Western, um, you know, Western, uh, you were ta- I was talking about belief systems earlier, Western belief systems, Western kind of structure, but you've got this, Scandinavia generally, like all of those countries has perfect locations for horror you're kind of like yes of course people are being murdered in these mountains you are in the middle of nowhere (laughs) Um, and it's the darkness and the snow and kind of that element of isolation Mm -hmm. uh that is sort of part of and we and we see it in in movies that are set in the united states as well in those places where you know you're cut off from the rest of the of humanity or something like that because of the nature of the landscape um, and they're, they're, you know, it's, it's that they're perfect. They're perfect for the setting of a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like in movies set here, it's like, I mean, if you're in kind of the middle of the country where it's less populated, it makes sense where you could have people go like for, um, go a long way without seeing anyone. But that's, what's great about some of these films that are up <laughs> that far up North where it's much less densely populated there's a lot of woods and and forests and and things um or like along the water or whatever where it totally makes sense that you can drive for four hours and never see another car you know never see another person um although i don't know how they filled up one gas but (laughs) yeah i've got i have a couple of friends who are from uh sweden and and finland and uh one, one of my friends from finland talked about how you know you'd have to in driving courses you always have to to learn how to avoid moose and and (laughs) i was like you have to learn how to avoid moose and she was like yes because the moose i was like what about the moose (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. And I guess that, yeah, they have a moose problem uh, sometimes because when you're driving through, you know, these, these backcountry roads in Finland, you might run into a moose and you don't want to do that. Uh, so it, it, does, it did kind of impress on me of how different some of these countrysides are. And, and again, the, the horrors that can, that can exist in those kinds of worlds. Yeah. Oh, man. So what are some other ones? Uh, some other Scandinavian ones? Yeah. I was trying to think. Oh, uh, one of the other ones that, um, that I really like, and it's also a Christmas movie, uh, is Rare Exports, which is a Finnish film. And it's about the true origin of Santa Claus, what Santa really is. <laughs> and it is very frightening. And it's also funny. There's, there's a lot of wry humor contained in it. Uh, and uh, it's, it, in some ways, it's very related to some of the, the films that we've made now, like Krampus and stuff like that, which are actually pulled from Germanic and Scandinavian traditions anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the whole idea is that basically, basically you're drilling too deep for oil and you wake up Santa and you don't want to wake up Santa because Santa is not actually this nice, warm, cuddly jolly old elf uh and and it plays on this this whole idea that the in finland and in a lot of scandinavian countries the tradition is that santa actually comes from finland um he comes from the very very far north of finland and in in this it's it's really that he's basically a demon uh and and it's about specifically it's about a little boy and his father and like (laughs) santa santa and his minions uh (laughs) running amok essentially and so it it is scary and there's a lot of violence and darkness and everything but there's a lot of humor to it also because it's about santa and the little boy hires a hitman to kill santa who turns out to be mel gibson (laughs) oh my gosh did you see that trailer this week i have not seen that trailer oh my gosh I do not watch trailers featuring Mel Gibson. I, w- I wasn't going to. And then people kept commenting on what the movie was. And I was like, oh, fine. I'll just watch this trailer. And I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> what is happening right now? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's going to be a movie that exists. Anyway, Rare Exports. <laughs> so that's a good film. That's also on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um but yeah, that, and that's another one that, that the, the, the tradition of uh, Christmas horror stories, mm-hmm. um, which is actually more of a tradition than we realize. There are a lot of ghost stories were originally intended to be told at Christmas time around like Christmas Eve. Um, and there was, that was a tradition throughout, I think, Western and Eastern Europe for a long time. And then it, it kind of fell off in the end of the 19th century. And, and now we don't really do it anymore. But that association of, um, of Christmas and terror is, is an interesting one. Hmm. That is interesting. Huh. I always thought that um, Christmas-themed horror movies were sort of like counter-programming to the joy and happiness of Christmas. Like, oh, I, this is this is Christmas for the rest of us, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think that it kind of, they kind of are, but, you know, so stuff like the, like Krampus is actually, you know, it's based in traditions. It's not, yeah. so it's, it's its own adaptation of those traditions, but it's based in these traditional ideas. This idea of there, you know, it's kind of, there's a good Santa and a bad Santa. There's, you know, the Santa for good little boys and girls, and there's the Santa for bad little boys and girls. And that tension um, has existed for a long time in a lot of traditions. Uh, 
the the tradition i'm not entirely certain where the tradition of ghost stories comes from but like one of our favorites christmas carol yeah the reason why that's a ghost story it's a christmas eve ghost story and the reason for that is because there's a tradition in, in the 19th century in England to you sit around the fire and you tell ghost stories on Christmas Eve. And I think that some of it is in, it's kind of in relationship to the death of the year, you know, the, it's, it's right at the beginning of the new year. It's the kind of death of everything. You're getting into winter, you're getting into darkness, et cetera. And so there, there's a long tradition in a lot of cultures about these like horror stories taking place on or around Christmas Eve um, as sort of, in some ways, a counterpoint to the, the joyousness of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's and that's, that's what I know about Christmas ghost stories. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so let's move a little bit farther south from Scandinavia. Europe has tons of... Um, horror films too and it's funny because when we were making our list of movies we wanted to make sure to talk about i think i think europe is the one that's the least represented <laughs> well i mean we could talk about germany we could talk about yeah. the united kingdom we could talk about france i think that we we mm -hmm. haven't been talking about that in the same same way because everybody knows those just, just, right yeah <laughs> they're 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 much more uh viewed here they're much more seen um and I mean, again, each one of those countries has, just like with, with Asia, they each have their own traditions, their own, you know, um, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost the word, um, superstitions and things like that and traditions, but they also, there is sort of this um, general sense too of like Western Europe, Eastern Europe and kind of um, things that carry over from from one country to the other too but uh what are some of your favorite european uh films horror so films current european horror um well we we had mentioned we wanted to talk about the devil's backbone mm -hmm. uh which is a Guillermo del toro film and that's interesting because it's made obviously by a mexican filmmaker um but it's set in spain Mm -hmm. and it takes place in Spain and so it that's a again it's a ghost story it's very it's very much a Guillermo del Toro ghost story uh about um a, so it, it combines the horror of the re the reality of horror I, I believe it's set during the Spanish Civil War or directly after the Spanish Civil War um but so it's, it's the reality of the the true horror and and then also ghosts and kind of it's a revenge story in a lot of ways and that's that is really interesting because you have this juxtaposition a lot of what we've been talking about is the darkness right the in that there's this juxtaposition between brightness like it, it, a lot of it is is very desert and very sunny and everything um but there's this hidden darkness underneath it uh and that's a again it's a fascinating film and very much in keeping with a lot of del toro's other films mm -hmm. yeah i know people uh speaking of him uh people debate whether pan's labyrinth would be a horror film and i think first of all it's interesting his fascination with that time period and that spanish civil war um but also yeah like he uses a lot of of bright colors um a lot of fantasy elements to tell the story and um 
and sometimes especially with pan's labyrinth it's like the real world is way scarier than the this fantasy world where there's like these creatures and stuff which i think that's it's <laughs> like that in real life right now too these horror movies are way less scary than what's happening in the world um <laughs> but yeah uh Guillermo del toro is such a fun director um yeah and it's that overlap between the spirit world and reality so yeah. evil evil in the external world also influences and is a part of evil in the um spiritual world or the mm-hmm. fantasy world yeah. and 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 it also there are different rules that the fantasy world or the spirit world abide by but they interact at the same time with the real world and so you, you get these really interesting tensions um that happen and that's what you get in in pan's labyrinth certainly there's a tension between the fantasy world um the fairy world as it were and the um the real world and the reality of the real monsters as it were mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, um one that i really like that came um the filmmakers did another movie this year the lodge which i didn't like as much um that's uh that's set here but they are austrian and i was first introduced to them with the film good night mommy did you ever see that which I still have not seen. It is sitting on my list <laughs> and I just have not gotten around to it yet. I have to kind of be in the mood for it. Yeah. It's interesting because it was like, I, I pretty much figured out sort of what's happening. It's a movie about these two boys, these twin boys who, um, they, I mean, they live kind of out in the country, far away from everyone. Their mom comes home from the hospital and she's just had some plastic surgery so she's all bandaged up and everything but they become increasingly convinced that she's not really their mother that she's been replaced by someone else like this woman is is kind of mean um she keeps saying like really weird things that don't make any sense and so they're um they're trying to find all these secret ways to like prove that she's not really their mom and so it's a it's it's fascinating and um but yeah it's it's funny because when i watched that the first time i was just like okay something's coming and i think i know what it is and um i figured it out but when i got to the end and saw like kind of what the resolution was i was like okay yeah this makes sense and i i I was able to appreciate the way that they told the story like these directors Mm -hmm. are really interesting um I felt that a little bit with the lodge too, which is set in I think New York, so it's that's much more of an American film, and it's got like Alicia Silverstone and Riley Keogh in it. But mm-hmm. um, but their style, the way that they set up a story, um, it felt you definitely could see the elements that were very similar with um, Goodnight Mommy. So they're interesting directors. I uh, as much as I didn't love the lodge, I am interested in in them and what they do so i would definitely watch more from them but yeah good night mommy isn't uh that one's kind of a trip <laughs> uh the the other one that i want to mention is raw the mm-hmm. french cannibal which movie. i still have not seen and i think that we've talked about this before so i won't go into it too much but it is a very good french cannibal movie and um <laughs> and, and again you know it's kind of sliding into comedy almost that it's horrible but also it's it's sort of funny and it's treated as being funny 
uh, and, and very French. And I'm not certain how exactly to categorize that because it's, I, it's, difficult to, <laughs> it's difficult to explain why it feels so French, but it's a very French movie. It's like obscenity. You know it when you see it. Yeah, it's, there, there's a certain, I think that's part of it is that there's a certain edge of rebellion and absurdism that, mm-hmm. is, that is in it that um, makes it, that kind of makes some of the, the darker stuff more tolerable. Uh, that's just kind of like, well, of course, this, this girl is like, oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian is actually a cannibal. <laughs> like, it has this desperate desire for meat, you know? Um, and and it's it's very sharp and very uh very feminist um mm-hmm. it is it's directed by a woman and definitely definitely treats of you know if you're talking about coming of age stories or stuff like carrie i was like i think that that's more closer to you know the experience of a freshman of a freshman woman in college <laughs> yeah Take I that as you will <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't watched it because of the fact that um, someone said that there was a scene that was so gross it made them want to throw up and then someone else was like oh yeah it was this part and I was like um I don't need to see that <laughs> I mean but it's very bloody yeah it's very bloody and there's definitely a lot of body horror and there, there's some shocking I guess there surprise moments um okay. I'm not entirely certain what section of the film they would have been thinking of. I can think of a couple of different ones that, that might have bothered people. But I think if you can handle, if you're okay with cannibal movies, you're okay with this one. Uh, if you're not, if you're just like, no, I do not like cannibal movies at all, then no, don't watch it. I'm trying to think how many cannibal movies I've even seen. I mean, zombie movies are generally fine, so. Yeah, I don't know. I think that if you're fine with zombie movies, you're not going to really be bothered by this one. Okay. To be honest. That's, that's, that makes me feel better. All right. It's not really streaming anywhere that I have access to, but I will watch for it. So. Um, but speaking of female filmmakers, I think uh, we can move across the, back across the other ocean. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the films of Latin America. One of them that I really uh, wanted to talk about was Tigers Are Not Afraid, which came out, yeah. I think, last year. Yeah, it finally, I, it, it did the festival circuit for a little while, and then it, I think that Shutter finally released it last year. Yeah, and that one is from Mexico. It's Isa Lopez, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one, I mean, movies involving children are always a little bit, there's, there's just always a little bit more of a heightened um, fear and fantasy factor to them, I think. This one is an interesting one. And again, it's, it's one of those where some people can say like, oh, well, not much happens in it. Or is this really horror? But I think it's a really beautiful movie about these kids who have kind of become like they've fallen victim to the violence around them and the violence in their town. They've lost their families. They're all alone. They're orphans. They find each other and they only have each other. And they're, they're, in danger because they kind of run afoul of the cartel and um but then there's this sort of protection given to them i don't know how much to say just because i think people should watch it with as little knowledge as possible but um 
Yeah, it's it's been compared to some of the some of Del Toro's films, um, mm-hmm. and and he actually was a big champion of bringing this film over to the United States and getting yeah. it getting it seen more and getting it seen at festivals. Um, but it, it's its own thing, and I I don't think that it it. I I, th- I think it would do it a disservice to just be like oh this is just like a Guillermo del Toro film. It, right. It's its own thing. It does its own thing. It's um, uh, and, and yeah, it does have that overlap between what is the the real world and the fantasy world, the real world and the spiritual world, and how those things overlap and interact. And in a lot of these films that we're talking about, it's interesting across cultures, they are about children. Mm-hmm. and about children and women who tend to have more of a connection to the spiritual realm than anyone else and tend to be more innocent and tend to be more innocent and tend to uh you know a lot of these films are about the kind of rebellion against rational authority a rebellion against repression mm-hmm. um and very often represented by truly monstrous men i mean uh, and tigers are not afraid it's um uh, the the monstrosity is very much located in ma- in men in males. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so so you get I I think that overlap between fantasy and reality and how these kids learn to cope with their circumstances and then also how they learn to take control of their circumstances via the spiritual or fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a such a good one. It's really beautiful. I love the way that she um, uses daylight and and the dark as well in that one, and how that becomes. I think I think the daylight almost becomes kind of another character in the movie. It definitely adds to the the setting of it and becomes really important. Um, and the location, like when the kids find that building and everything, like it just. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a that's, wonderful film. It's still on Shutter, right? I think should be yes. Yeah. Um, another one that's on Shutter now, um, and I think that is a. I think Shutter bought it, so it'll stay there. But that's La Llorona, not to be confused with The Curse of La Llorona. <laughs> Very different movie. <laughs> same idea, bit born from the same legend, but <laughs> very very different movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You got to see La Llorona, right? Yes. Yeah. So what are yes. your thoughts on that one? I, I mean, I loved it. Uh, now, that's one where the people who are being haunted are the least um, <laughs> sympathetic <laughs> uh-huh. people that you could possibly find to be haunted. Like, you're sitting there going like, yes, we are hoping for ghosts right about now. Good. <laughs> yeah, Good. get him. Go get him, ghost. Uh, yeah, go after him. But but again, you know, I find it really interesting, again, in that film, that so much of it is is filtered through femininity and mm-hmm. um, and also culpability because it's, so it's about the fam, not just the general himself, but the family of this general who's basically been tried for war crimes. Yeah. Um, and and the, the way that the women in his family deny that reality at some level. Um, and that part of the healing that has to take place is this release of denial. You have to stop pretending that this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to stop pretending that this was justified in any way, and and you know, the, and demanding a sacrifice at some level. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's a it's a good film about that. Is it's not entirely about revenge. It's about reparation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think setting it against the backdrop of this trial um, for what happened before, I think it, it really is interesting because it, it part of that is it gives it like kind of a ticking clock um, element to it. And I think that that heightens some of the tension in some ways. But yeah, I, I love the fact that it challenges people that um, defend, protect, and excuse bad men and their bad behavior. And when uh, when we do that, we're just as guilty. Well, yeah, we're, we're also guilty. And I, yeah. I think that that's a really important point to make. And I think that it, it handles that really, really well. What were you going to yeah. say? Yeah, no, definitely. It was, it's, it's a very multi-layered film and, um, and the supernatural elements are, are very definitely there. Like there's no, there's no secondary explanation for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it is like that, you know, again, the return of the repressed, this sort yeah. of building up of you cannot, you cannot ignore these women. You cannot ignore what has happened. Uh, and, and the culpability of the family in, uh, in the father's crimes mm-hmm. that have, you know, and he's committed genocide. I mean, that's basically what yeah. happened. Um, and, and this unwillingness to kind of deal with that as just like, no, you have to deal with the only way that the country and that the, the people can ever move forward is to deal with it and to condemn it um and to and to yeah that that this is not something that is it's not just about one person's actions it's about an entire society's actions yeah well and i think one of the things that makes sly and rona in particular a really interesting um film is the fact that it's using things that have really been happening in guatemala um the way that indigenous cultures have been sort of annihilated in some places and um and then it also takes the um the legend of la llorona and it kind of twists that a little bit into something much different and it makes her um still a tragic figure but a much more active one and um and uh sort of takes um sort of takes her motivations and turns it into something much more pure and i think it's it's a really interesting play and it's one that honestly i didn't know a lot about the legend until the curse of la llorona came out (laughs) and people were talking about why that was not a very good movie and it was a terrible representation of that of that myth and um or legend and um so then i started to learn a little bit more about who the weeping woman was and and where that story came from and so i think seeing how this film from jairo bustamante i think that seeing the way that he uses that um but kind of puts puts a spin on it um i i love that i love i love that he was able to do it and and do it so well it's a really good movie um any others from latin america that you would like to mention not particularly i i admittedly am not as well up on my uh on my latin american horror films as i probably should be yeah same same and it's like it's so stupid because i feel like that's an area where i have the 
uh, I mean, we have a lot of access to Asian stuff, but I live in Los Angeles, you know, like I'm surrounded by Latin culture and I feel like I have no excuse not mm-hmm. to, ex- not to experience more of those. I mean, a lot of, of um, Spanish language films are released in the theater here near me and I just, I don't go to enough of them. I, it's something I need to do better about. Um, so I wanted to just mention a couple of others that, that some folks tweeted at us. Um, B. Peterson mentioned Funny Games and Perfect Blue, which I have not seen either of those. Have you? I have not seen, no, I haven't seen those. Okay. Funny And Funny Games was adapted twice as we established, one in German. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one directed by the same guy in uh, um, in English. So yeah, it's, a, it's a little Hamm. confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Perfect Blue, I think, is animated. Am I wrong That's about one that, that I've never heard of. Um, I think. I'm sorry. Uh, let me see. Let me look it up again. Because I was looking it up because I was curious about it. And um, let's see. 1997 uh yeah it's animated um a retired pop singer turned actress's sense of reality is shaken when she is stalked by an obsessed fan and seemingly a ghost of her past so that sounds cool it's uh oh it's available on hoopla so guess what i'm gonna watch it today so thank you b peterson for that one and we also had um William Bibiani mentioned uh oh he also mentioned Perfect Blue um and 301302 Black Sunday from 1960 Hasu Rare Exports Kronos and The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears I don't I think I've only, I don't think I've seen any of those. <laughs> Black, Black Sunday is a, a Mario Bava film. I mean, I think that we'll probably talk about that. I will certainly mention when we talk about Giallo. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll try to see it before then. I'm trying to, I, for some reason, I thought that it was in English, but um, it, it's an, Ita- it might be one of those Italian films that is dubbed in English uh, for <laughs> yeah. reasons. Um, there are a lot of those, a lot of, we'll talk about that when we discuss Giallo, but uh um, yeah, and, and Hauzu is, if you've seen Hauzu, you know that you've seen Hauzu. <laughs> uh, it's a 19, 1970s Japanese um, horror film about a haunted house, and it, it's, but it's a lot more than that. It's not, uh, calling it a haunted house seems like doing a disservice to that house, because that house is beyond haunted. Um, it is a very weird, kind of trippy, psychedelic almost film. Um, about a bunch of schoolgirls who wind up at a haunted house. Well, that sounds fun. It, uh, it apparently is fun. that is also on Criterion. It is a fun film. It is definitely a, a film in which things happen. Excellent. I like movies where things happen. Because I'm an American and I need things to happen. Well, a lot life. happens. A lot happens. <laughs> okay. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um well are there any others that we should mention um i did want to just kind of shout out a girl walks home alone at night from uh, oh shoot i forgot to write down her name um anna 
Annalily Amanpour. Yeah. Amirpour. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, a Persian language film. She is a Persian director, but it was filmed in the United States. <laughs> it was filmed not far from where I live, actually. <laughs> Just a couple hours north. But um, uh, again, a vampire movie and a really interesting one um, mm-hmm. with a very feminist twist on it. Um, you've seen that one, right? Yes, it's on Shudder. Yeah. Uh, that one's such a... I remember a couple of years ago because they were trying to like I kept getting all these emails from a publicist about it and I was just like uh I don't know um vampire movies are just kind of whatever but I finally watched it and I was just like oh okay this is very interesting and different and that whole like sense of loneliness a little bit of that sense of isolation people don't really know what's out there getting them probably i think there's some denial about it it's mm-hmm. a bad city it's actually called bad city <laughs> um and yeah like it's it, this this the idea of this woman stalking this town and going after these people it's um it's dark it's good it is very dark <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah it's that's a really good one Any yeah others? and uh and i just wanted to mention again and i reviewed this on our website from last year but medi diop's atlantics which is a ghost story actually mm-hmm. uh and it's it's a lot of different things but it's it's very beautiful and really well done really interesting film like it, it crosses it it straddles the line between you know straight drama and more of a a horror film as it were but that's that's an interesting one and that's a um it's a french production i believe but it's uh she's a senegalese director and it's set in, in dakar mm-hmm. um, yeah and it's on netflix yeah that's a good one too that's that was one that i was like as i was watching it i was thinking i don't know if i really like this i don't know if i get it but by the time you get to the end it really just has this um this sort of this sense of of satisfaction like once you once things are resolved it's like man like i I was able to kind of sit back and go that was that was such an emotional experience yeah that i think that i wasn't expecting yeah definitely yeah cool all right well any others that we should mention i think that we talked about a lot of movies <laughs> we talked about a lot of movies and again, and again you know we're not experts in in any of this and i think that i think that it's it's obvious that there's some things that we know more about or have seen more of mm-hmm. than others but um uh, yeah i think that it's it's important to note that there are just so many different kinds of horror films that are being made across the world and it's interesting to to go into cultures that are not your own and to actually watch those horror films because they're very effective and and very often they play on the same kinds of tropes and the same kinds of concepts that we're used to but going in different directions and doing different things with them and i I think that that's really important and interesting to look at and i think it's okay to i mean obviously it's good to do some research and learn about you know some of the the um legends or the myths or the superstitions or whatever 
And that can really enhance your experience when you understand the background of some of these stories. But I also think that it it's okay to watch these through the perspective of an American person or British person or wherever you happen to be from watching films that are from another culture, from another country that are not part of your experience and filtering it through the lens of your own experience. I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but I also think that, um, because I think it just in general, getting experience, getting exposed to other cultures in different ways is a good thing. But I also think that it's really good to do some research and read some of the background on some of these things too. Like, especially if it's like, wow, I really like that movie. I want to know more. Like, go learn more about it. Go learn more about the filmmakers. Go learn more about the place that it takes, like wherever it takes place or, or some of the history behind that region or, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. There, there's like, there's such a wealth of films out there generally. And I mean, we, we've talked about, so what, what we have available to us is a very small slice mm-hmm. of some of these countries. But like I said, so, you know, even talking about this, I'm like, man, I haven't seen a lot of Latin American generally, right? And, you know, I'm not even yeah. talking about, you know, Mexican or Guatemalan or Argentine or Argentine uh, films, right? Um, horror films. about, the, and, and so it's like, oh, I want to try to maybe seek some of those out. So what are some good, you know, Mexican horror films? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do they differ? And how are they kind of the same? And, and how do they apply to our own cultures? Because there's so much to, to kind of glean from different cultures. Yeah. And and when you're looking for films from other cultures to to experience to watch don't just i mean these are ones that we've seen that we like and we're recommending but i think that it's if you're looking for more go to uh writers who are from some of these places who this is their background this is their area of expertise and see what they recommend because i think that's honestly that's where i've discovered some of the movies that i've watched is like um, Carlos Aguilar is one of my favorite writers and he has such great insights and such great recommendations for things so especially like if you want to know more about Latin American films just check out some of the stuff that he writes about because mm-hmm. it's really um, really insightful and so just as an example <laughs> so yeah. um but yeah, we'd love to know more of, of some of the films that you love. If you watch anything that we've talked about today, um, if any of that's new to you and you haven't seen it before and you check it out, we'd love to know that too and what you thought. Um, so yeah, any final thoughts? No, as, as per usual, where I was like, watch more movies. Yep. <laughs> movies are good. Yeah. <laughs> they are. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I think next week we're going to make Lauren happy and we're finally going to talk about Gialli or Gialli. Yay! <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, actually. I always just say Giallo, but whatever. Um, uh, if, yes. it's, <laughs> if it's the normal, like, romantic languages, then it would be G. So, G-I. So, yeah, Giallo. You got to say it with, like, the hand gesture and everything. Giallo. Giallo. All right. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. Italian uh uh italian horror films yes and that's why we didn't really talk about that part of europe today because we're gonna do a whole episode on it next week lots of violence and blood can't wait wait. it's good that's what i'm gonna be immersing myself in this week so (laughs) we'll see what my mood is like next weekend (laughs) 
It's gonna come back like Lauren. What the fuck, Lauren? <laughs> Lauren, why do you like this stuff? Just say, like, well, because it's it's the murders. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I like murder. Not that I would do it, <laughs> but I like watching stuff about it. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Well, that is gonna wrap things up for this week. Um, we would like to thank our patrons. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for listening, but special thanks to our patrons, which include Heather, Adriana, Michael, James, Katie, Cariotta, Mason, Matthew, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Nicole, Robert, Sharon, Steve, Tao, and Will. Thank you so much. If you would like to be among their number, you can, uh, you can patronize us. The only way we'll allow you to patronize us. <laughs> Go to our Patreon, Patreon account, patreon.com slash citizendame. You can get early access to episodes. Um, we should do a bonus episode this week about a particular uh, movie or something. We'll figure it out. There will be a bonus episode coming forthwith, I promise. Um, but yeah, uh, we also have our Ko-Fi. So if you just wanted to send a couple dollars our way, you could do that. Ko-Fi.com slash citizendame. And we have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash pod, where you can get your face masks, you can get shirts, you can get all kinds of things. But especially face masks, because wear your fucking mask. Wear your fucking mask. Seriously. I don't know why this is hard. <laughs> I was out last night with some friends, and they were having arguments over it. And I was just like, people, <laughs> doctors say, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> so anyway um but yeah you can also reach out to us lots of different ways um our twitter and instagram are at citizen dame pod we have made the decision that we don't give a fuck about facebook anymore so just I, the page still exists but we're not really doing anything with it and we don't have plans to so um so if you're looking for us there eh, sorry uh, we do have our email, so you can send us messages that way. We love that. CitizenDamePod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website, CitizenDamePod.com. Lauren has some great reviews from the stuff that she watched at New York Film Festival. Starting this week, I'm going to have some reviews from uh, AFI Fest and lots of fun stuff coming our way. So you can also reach out to us individually. Lauren, where are you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at LH Business. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for your support and have a great week. Bye. So welcome live this Halloween night to the first ever TV Ghost Watch. That's the scene in uh, Fox Hill Drive in Northolt. Our outside broadcast units are there. That's the house where it might all happen tonight or it might not, we shall see. We're going to investigate one of the most baffling and fascinating areas of human experience, the supernatural. Tonight, television is going ghost hunting in an unprecedented scientific experiment we hope to show you for the first time, irrefutable proof that ghosts really do exist. I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Lynn Pascoe to give her expert technical advice. Throughout the programme, I'll be taking other expert opinion about the supernatural from both here and America. You'll be telling us your ghost stories. And as our tale unfolds, we'll be taking your calls about just what you're seeing. Well, let's go to the main location of our programme, the house in Foxhill Drive. Craig Charles, that well-known ghost hunter, is our reporter. Craig, how are you? Hi, Michael. 
Yeah, I'm fine. I've taken the Valium, man. Later on, we're going to be interviewing the medium who tried unsuccessfully to exercise the house behind me. I wonder who's heard from Elvis lately. However, with me is Pam Early, the mum of the house. Hello, Pam. And she's going to be taking us through the whole spine-tingling story. And after that, you can share with us your own supernatural experience on our very own Halloween witchboard. I mean, switchboard. Over to you, Smithy.